Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Welcome to another edition of the Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner of the Little Red Feather Racing Club. Joining me, as always, the great Michelle Yu Hansen. <laughs> that was awesome. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> Michelle, great to have you as always. We have a great interview today. My very, very dear friend, Bill Strauss, who is nothing short of a genius, and I love him. And uh, he's going to tell us about his horse ownership experience, which will be cool. Yes, I like that. It makes me, makes me happy. Uh, before we this get... is like, yeah, this go. is a very cool, like, I mean, I've talked to Jeff a lot. I don't know if I've ever talked to Bill. And right. so this is kind of a cool story that goes back a ways and yes. obviously has like current day implications. Very fun guest. Hot Rod Charlie, the great one, both on the Kentucky Derby Trail. We'll find out all about them as well as the Pomplemousse, the restaurant and the horse, Turbulent Descent, Misdirection. We're going to have a nice time talking to Bill. I promise you that. Um, just before we get started... We are new to the In The Money Podcast Network, and uh, if you want, head over to the InTheMoneyPodcast.com forward slash YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube uh, for the In The Money Podcast. We, uh, we're planning on expanding our video offerings, and it's the easiest way to stay on top of our newest video content. Not our video content, personally. Well, we haven't done it in yet, the monies. but we're thinking about it. But so subscribe. We're thinking about what, it. What we're, we're thinking about you. it. Michelle, we have a new segment that we're going to start the sh these shows off with, and it's going to be called Three Things of Note. Do you <laughs> I like, like it? <laughs> I just made I that like up. <laughs> I think I made it up. You did make it up. One of us made it up. It was pretty cool. Three Things of Note. We should have some musical interlude, too. We'll get that next week. Um, I'm going to bring up the first one just real quick, and it's sad. Uh, Julio Canani, one of my favorite trainers, died at the age of 83, $49 million worth of earnings, trained uh, Breeders' Cup the winners, Val Royale, Silic, Sweet Catamine, and was just one of the biggest characters on the racetrack. Julio will be missed. <sighs> I know. I hear you sigh. It's it sad. is. It's very sad. He it trained the Pamplemousse, too. He did train the Pamplemousse. So we can talk to Bill about that. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a big maiden race at Santa Anita over the weekend, Michelle. What were your uh, initial impressions? Okay, so right from the get-go, honestly, I did not think that uh, Bezos was a locked and loaded type of guy. I wasn't in love with his last work. I thought I could beat him. I liked Baffert's other horse, Tavoli Twirl. I liked the Simon second time star. I mean, literally, the, wah, I went like wah. seven horses deep in my uh, in my ticket. And you the didn't have paddock was by far and away, heads and shoulders, the Peter Urton, who ends up running around the field like they're standing still and winning by 25 on the on the wire. <laughs> Dream shake. Uh, for our good friends, by the way, Ryan Exline, who's been on yeah. our show before. Um, and uh, congratulations, Pete Urton. I know uh, there's a great story behind that. Um, he actually owns a piece of the horse uh, that was left to him by the late, uh, Miss, uh, I always mess up her last name. Um, Alessio. Alessio. And so uh, good for Pete, good for Ryan X-Line, good for that whole crew. I mean, but you know, Joel Rosario, first-time starter, Pete Erton, you had uh, 20 to 1. I mean, you kind of had to know something was up. Horse had big works. And credit the horse that ran second to Harbor Memories for my good friend Mike Pipey and Sluggo. Uh, I mm -hmm. thought that horse ran really well in defeat. Yeah, and I, like, I used that horse too. Yeah, I know you did. I know Sheesh. you did, but we'll, good things, uh, we'll, we'll see what, it's very rare, the reason why we bring this up as point number two of three things of note is that Baffert never loses these kind of races, and both Actually, of his Actually, I horses. have an exact number for you, he has had now 42 
uh, first-time starters that had debuted at even money or less, and he has won with 47 of them, which is a 66% win clip. That's insane. That is absolutely insane. So that's why it's a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. for what Last thing of note, um, welcome back Hit the Road, who was super impressive in winning the Thunder Road. Congratulations to Dan Blacker. That was his first graded stake win. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. So and I know uh, he also gave him his first stakes win when he won the Wicker. Yeah, right? and and this is a, a really really good four year old. Obviously, he has a history of some some physical ailments that Danny has done a great job bringing him back. He's pointed to the Kilroe Mile, and my question for you is Michelle, is who does Umberto Rispoli ride? Hit the road or smooth like straight? That is such a good question. Thank I you. mean, I was thinking I, about it all day. Okay, if it was me, if it was you. I would ride hit the road because I think that horse has a ton of upside and he just doesn't make very many mistakes. I understand that uh, smooth like straight has kind of been like one of the leaders, but I, in my opinion, he's not as good as Mo Forza, who we know is coming back. So I think that hit the road has a chance to be close to Mo Forza. Um, while smooth like straight, I feel like we kind of have seen his top game and it's a good game, Good game, but we haven't seen the ceiling for hit the road yet. All right. Well, we are going to see in the, in the Kilroe mile coming up in early March, Michelle, let's get to our interview with Bill Strauss. What do you think? Uh, I would be excited to, yay. Here we go. Welcome to one of my favorite people in horse racing into the owner's box, Bill Strauss, joining us today. Thank you, Billy. Oh, it's great to be here with you, too. Looking forward to it. Well, we're going to get into a lot of your horse history, Pomplemousse, Turbulent Descent, Misdirection, all the way up to your recent success with Hot Rod Charlie, the great one, Derby Trail. We know that's exciting. But before we do that, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got you know started in horse racing. I know you were in the tech uh, businesses early on. Give us a little brief discussion about that, and then, then we'll take it into the horse racing world. Yeah, so basically, like you said, I was in the tech industry working for companies that produced, you know, Quicken and QuickBooks and TurboTax. Uh, and then I got into the, then I was introduced to a guy at Princeton at the time, and his family owned BlueMountainArts.com. Blue Mountain Arts was one of the top 10 traffic websites in the world, but yet they weren't monetizing, they weren't making money. They just did it as a favor to their, to their customers. But their son, Jared, who was at Princeton at the time, he was an entrepreneur. He wanted to go into politics, and he always said he wanted to make $100 million in business and then go into politics. Fast forward to today, he's actually the governor of Colorado. Oh, my wow. God. So we Did he make $100 million? million? Oh, no, no. We, he made a lot more than that. All, oh, all, my God. Sweat and tears. So, wait, Bill, yeah. I, I'm an entrepreneur. I would like to make $100 million and then just not go into politics. Can we do that? <laughs> I don't know. You can try. It's the $100 million part that's difficult, not right. going into politics okay. or not. That's not the job. So you see, wind but, up. Yeah, yeah ba- go ahead. Yeah, so back when he was in college, he literally had this interview with the Princeton newspaper saying this. I was introduced to him through a mutual venture capitalist that we both knew. He thought that my skill set being operationally oriented and Jared's skill set having his vision and the technology uh, would be a very good match. And it turned out he introduced us. Uh, Jared and I hit it off. We talked about some cultural issues. It was important to me to make sure every employee got some equity in the company. How much autonomy will I have? And him and I worked all of that out. And we literally started selling flowers over the internet. 
and it just took off. I mean, his whole vision came true. I was fortunate enough to be the guy given the opportunity to make that vision come true. And we literally became more profitable and more successful than 1-800-Flowers and FTD, two companies that have been around a lot longer than us, and then high brand recognition. Uh, but we thought we had a better business model, a fresher product at lower prices, and the consumers bought into it. And I was employee number one. We took it, you know, we raised capital. We took it public. We sold it to John Malone's Liberty Media, where I ran it for him for another four or five years after that. It was just an unbelievable ride. It an, but let me, it was an unbelievable ride. But let, let me do a quick segue. We literally got to open Wall Street. You know, you push the button. Yes. And that, oh, that's that, so cool. It was so cool. Like, you stand in Times Square, and those huge billboards, you see up in lights, there's myself and a couple of members of my team. My father was there. Uh, it was just the coolest thing. But the segue to horse racing is, as cool as that was and as exciting as it is, watching the $20,000 claimer that you own cross the finish line first, gets my blood pumping even more. Yeah. It gets my adrenaline flowing even more. That's why we love it, Bill. It's true. Wait, Bill, can I it, say it when is. you're talking about like how you came in with like a fresher idea and a better product and everything, all I'm thinking is, this needs to be a horse racing pitch some way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he does it for himself, Michelle. That's that's the best part. Um, so so you, you obviously your brother is is Jeffrey. I think if you know anything about Southern California and you, you've been to Del Mar, you've been to the Pompa Moose, and obviously, Bill, you're involved, and Jeff is the, the chef there and runs the place with you. Um, and your very first horse you own is the Pompa Moose with – Ironically enough, Julio Canani, which we've mentioned earlier in the show, just passed. Um, but tell us a little bit about your introduction to horse racing. So back then when I was in high school, I used to love going to the horse races. My English teacher, when I was a senior in high school, used to sign us out in New Jersey, and we would drive to Belmont. But closer to my house was the Meadowlands Raceway. So I actually grew up more on the trotters. And I actually liked the trotters more, especially from a handicapping perspective, because there are so many less variables to handicap. They go a single distance every time. They run every week. And so you don't have to think about trainers and you know, what they're trying to accomplish, what race they're shooting for. It was just fewer variables. So it was a great way to learn the industry. And I was fortunate enough that I got to go to some of the horse farms uh, down in New Egypt, New Jersey, uh, Stanley Dancer's Farm. And when I went to work in Hanover, Pennsylvania, Hanover Shoe Farms was there with all the great Hanover Shoe Stallions. So to me, I enjoyed the gambling aspect of it first. But then when I got to go to the farms and see these horses and names that I grew up following and, and heard about, and you get to see them in a stall and you get to pet them and feed them a carrot, I was like a little kid. <laughs> yeah. It was the most exciting, enjoyable thing that I could do. So I came at it from multiple perspectives. So fast forward, we then move out here you know, to do the software thing. And we come to California. My brother comes. We open the restaurant. And the racetrack is less than a mile from my house. And I was, you know, I was going and always wanted to own – when we owned the restaurant, I was going to meet some people and figure out how I can get into the game. And Alex Solis Jr. used to come in a lot. Alex was a young kid, grew up in the horse racing business. His father was Alex Solis Sr., Hall of Fame jockey. And he'd come around, and we would talk a lot. And I'd see, well, he had a lot of winners. He knew a lot about the sport. So I approached him about buying a horse together. And that horse, the very first one he picked out, was a son of Cap Wayne as a two-year-old. I mean, it was a $150,000 purchase. And it was the Pomplamoose. And we had a few partners, which is how I do almost every one of my horses. Um, and so me and my brother got into the horse. Jeff wanted to name it the Pomplamoose Grill and take complete advantage of marketing and advertising. <laughs> I was going to ask if Of course that was he did. <laughs> of course he did. Yeah. It's, it's no coincidence 
that the Pomplamoose was the name of our horse and the name and the restaurant was the same name. That yes. was purely my brother trying to advertise. So you can't advertise and market what the Pomplamoose we can get away with. And that's how the name of the Pomplamoose came about. And that's to your point, he was on the Derby Trail. He had two sprints where he did okay. Once we stretched him out long in his career, he had three two-turn races. Never lost. Alex Elisin will tell you he never got close to the bottom of the horse. And the morning of the St. Anita Derby, which was going to be against Pioneer the Nile, we would have been one to two, and he had a tendon flare-up, and that was the end of his career. But we were literally on the Derby trail. In fact, before that, a couple of weeks before that, I had gone to Florida for something, and I was a guest to Hank Goldberg's at Gulfstream Park. So as I'm sitting there talking to Hank, we're hanging out. They asked how I wanted to present the winner's, you know, uh, winner's trophy because I was the owner of the problem was one of the owners. Well, it was a great little treat. So I went down and, you know, got to present the, uh, you know, the trophy just because I owned the horse, the problem was. So it was a great ride. We had a lot of fun. But, boy, it certainly ended uh, very quickly. But it was just a great ride, great excitement, uh, being in, in the public's eye. It, it was a lot of fun. I got to talk a little bit about the Pamplemousse. Uh, like you said, it was a short ride, but weren't there a couple instances where people were trying to buy him from you and and he didn't pass the vet, but you got so you got to keep going with him and kind of tell us a little bit about how that felt from a roller coaster standpoint. Yeah, so we definitely had one or two offers come in for him and he did not pass the vet. He always had a bit of a thick tendon. Uh, so he didn't pass the vet, but then we had some local people uh, who wanted to buy in and you know, they had their eyes wide open, Chuck Winter was one of the people that bought in. So we did sell a piece of the horse. Uh, you know, right, I, think it's, I, I think they were in for one race before the Santa Anita Derby. So at least they got a little bit of joy out of the ride. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's the nature of the game, unfortunately, sometimes. But I got to tell you, even at that moment in time, it was like this is a great ride. Even though it ended, I was glad I took the ride. It was just incredibly sure. exciting. And it gives you everything that horse racing is. It's the ups and the downs. It's the excitement. Uh, it, it had everything in that very short window of period of time with our first horse, which is both a blessing and a curse. But you have a horse like that first time. It's like, I'm in. I'm booked. And then you just go full force after that. Because to replicate that feeling of winning those races and being on the Derby Trail, it, nothing can beat that. Well, it's interesting. Bill Strauss joining us here on the owner bo- owner's box. Uh, you go right into then horses like Turbulent Descent, who won a grade one. Misdirection, who won two Breeders' Cups. So either you're very lucky or you're very good. Which is it, Bill? You know, I've been very lucky my whole life. And I think the key to my life, whether it's my business success or the success I've had in horse racing, take your time and find the right people to surround yourself with. Because I'm not that good. I am not that smart. So if you realize that first, you go, boy, if I want to succeed in this world or, you know, have some good horses, I better find people that know what they're doing. And it took many years for me to find Alex Solis Jr., who was very good at it. You know, he found Misdirection. He found the Pomplamoose. He's the one that got me into Turbulent Descent after her first race. It was a common trainer, Mike Pipey, who did an unbelievable job with that horse. And so it's really been, I've had great success, and it has always been about the people that I've been lucky enough to surround myself with. And it sounds corny, and I believe it deeply. I'm the living embodiment of it every single day, and I never lose sight of it. In fact, to this day, if I'm ever in a restaurant and I see any employee that ever worked for me, I buy their dinner. I don't care who they're there with. I don't care what's going on. And it's just a small token to show my appreciation for all the people that have worked with me and for me over time and been around me. And I, it's just incredibly blessed. I know it sounds 
corny, but I'm telling you, it's the absolute 100 percent truth. Yeah. I oh. couldn't tell you today if we go to a sale what a lame horse looks like versus a, a non-lame <laughs> horse who has a great. <laughs> I don't know anything about that stuff. And I you don't need don't. to. You don't I need to. Find the people that do. Yeah. You got I luck on ask, your side. Go ahead, I Michelle. I got to ask that too. You're, uh, you, you, like you said, the majority of your horses are in partnership. You don't own a lot of horses outright, if any, that I've seen. So who puts together your partnerships? Because it's not like you team together with the exact same, you know, two guys every single horse. No, in fact, I don't think I have a single partnership that's the same. Of I don't know what I own now, fifteen, eighteen, whatever number is. Uh, it's you know, it it's usually the guy who buys the horses. So. Alex Solis used to get different people together. Now Dennis O'Neill buys almost all of my horses for me. Uh, so he'll put the partnerships together. And he's pretty good at knowing what personalities and types of people will, will, will get together. And I'm going to tell you, I've been doing this, what, 10 years now in partnership, maybe even a little bit more. I've really never had any problems with any of my partners. There's such good people in here. You know, we, we talk ahead of time. What are the interests? What are our goals? You know, and you'll have debates and you'll have arguments, whatever. But it's been great. It's, you know, the way I think about it, it's like in stocks, portfolio management, you can't buy one stock or two stocks, right? You know, if you're going to buy a bunch of stocks or a bunch of horses, it's the same principle. Some will do really well, some won't. So if you're limited in your funds, like I am, you know, you can't afford to buy a lot of really expensive horses, buy a bunch, do portfolio management. Let's, let, let, let's get a half a dozen horses. We know some hopefully will really good. We, we know some won't be very good and some will be just okay. So the partnerships are so important to help you with that portfolio management theory. And i got to tell you, whether I own a quarter of a horse or 100% of a horse, I get just as much enjoyment out of it. I okay. just love it. Yeah, that's interesting. Here's a question for you, Michelle. Is is Bill Strauss Saul Cuman before Saul Cuman? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, why not? Go ahead, Michelle. I, I know you have a question. Yeah, Bill, can you? our show used to be called the Horse Ownership Experience, so we like to hear about those great experiences, and we've talked about chasing the Derby Trail with the Pamplemousse, and it's exciting to be back in that spot, I think, with Hot Rod Charlie, but for me, one of my favorite horses of all time was Ms. Direction. Can you just kind of walk us through what it was like to be a part of her actual team and not just a screaming fangirl on the sidelines? Yeah, Ms. Direction was the most one of the more interesting horses. And, you know, people talk about the personalities that horses have, and that's what kind of got me in. And I love the mornings. So I had, turb- and then I'm going to answer your question, Michelle, but I want to give you just a little snippet of a story. So we own Turbulent Descent and Misdirection. And as you know from trainers, they put the best horses right outside their, you know, r- r- right outside their office. So Turbulent was in one stall, Misdirection was in another one, both right there. Turbulent Descent was so well behaved and such a lady, you could literally take her to dinner. And we'll have her around the table, and she'd be fine. Yeah. No, I picture awesome. her at the yeah. Pamplemousse we'll bring her now, the like, sidling up. She's like, I'm going to have the tuna with the avocado cream. Chick, uh, she was Parm. a doll. I mean, what a, what a personality. Ms. Direction was the complete opposite. She was territorial. She was mean. She was nasty. If you walked up to her stall and you fed her a carrot, she'd eat it, and she'd be fine. The second you took your eyes off her, she'd bite you, literally bite you. Turbulent would put her head on your shoulder. Misdirection would want to bite your shoulder off. And it was just crazy different <laughs> personalities. But, yeah, but that personality reflected, it manifested itself on the racetrack. You know, people would say, oh, this horse knew where the finish line was. I'm telling you, Misdirection knew where that finish line was. Every jock that had her, you know, Garrett had her, and then Mikey Smith, you know, had her at the end of her career. They all said the same thing. She just 
knew where that finish line was and watch her races. She just, no matter how fast she had to go that last quarter or last eight, she got up. I remember in the, in the Breeders' Cup, she was way back. Oh, yeah. Way back. I remember talking to Mikey Smith afterwards. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, listen, I know how fast Ms. Direction has, can cruise. I knew I was going pretty quick, and if they were that far ahead of me, I knew at some point they were coming back. Huh. And, but she just always got up at the wire. She never won by a lot, probably never won by more than a half a length. She was just knew where that wire was. She was just one tough competitor. She was as masculine for a filly that you'll ever see, whereas Turbulent was all girl, all Philly. It was really very interesting. And both trained by both a very, very good talented. and both trained by a very good friend, Mike Pipey, who's one of the best touts at the racetrack also, right, Bill? <laughs> Mike, Pipey, listen, Mike Pipey will be a friend of mine for life. He's great. Sometimes as a tout, though, you really want to scratch your head. But, um, <laughs> but in terms of conditioning these horses, what he did with Ms. Direction, I mean, I believe she came off both of her Breeders' Cup wins or four or five-month layoffs. Yeah, Correct. Right to the Breeders' Cup and beat that level of horse. A filly beating the boys. boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It ju- yeah. It was just a really tribute to him. He understands fillies really well. He gets in their head. He knows how to keep them happy. Uh, and he really does a great job. I mean, then Turbulent and Miz are two examples of that that I had with him. And I mean, he couldn't have had a better ride. I mean, we went to New York with with uh, Turbulent and win the test stakes. That was an incredibly exciting moment, just to go to New York and, you know, old traditional New York. And, you know, here we come from California and Del Mar with our flip-flops and shorts on to the <laughs> grade one test. And we beat those horses. It was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. They were very classy out there, nothing but gracious to us. But it was a special feeling going to Saratoga and winning the grade one test with her. It was a very, very special feeling. Well, now it sounds like we have to ask him the question, Billy. What's that? Is it what's better, Del Mar or Saratoga? We have oh, an ongoing no, he debate. He lives in Del Mar. Yeah, but He's maybe he, he just Saratoga. said that Saratoga was amazing and they rolled out the red carpet. Bill. Maybe he prefers racing there. Bill, Del Mar or Saratoga? Yeah, this is a question I don't even have to answer. Thank There's you. no comparison. Wait, where I do mean, you get – Is wait, I'm sorry. Does Ken Sushi have a place in Saratoga? I don't think so. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Ken's is the best sushi anywhere in the country, and uh, it's right here, fortunately, for us. But you know what's interesting? Del Mar is just perfect for me, right? It's it's flip flops, it's shorts. We got our box, you know, down below, out in, out in the clubhouse and the grandstand, and you just come in your flip flops and shorts, enjoy the day. You got to be winner's circle. Literally at Saratoga, if you want to get into the winner's circle for like the test, you have to have a jacket on. Mm-hmm. You have to have a jacket on. I don't even own a jacket. It's crazy. Yeah, I had a bike. Yeah, Billy's got a hoodie. He had to cut the hoodie up the middle and pretend it was a coat. <laughs> Bill Strauss but joining no, there's us. Nothing, there's nothing like Del Mar Racetrack. Thank there's you. Bill like. Strauss joining us on can the I, owner's I, box. Can we jump over to a Breeders' Cup with Hot Rod Charlie? Well, yeah. How, for, I want okay. to. I was with him, Michelle, just so you know. And Bill was like kind of downplaying it. You know, the horse was going to be a huge long shot. Don't know well, if we have I mean, much of a chance. He started off as what, like 15 to 1, and then he went up at 94 to 1. At that point, what are you thinking? Because you had to pay sixty grand to enter the race. So yeah, so basically, the race before the Breeders' Cup race was a maiden race for him. The first time we had sent him two turns on the dirt, and then we put blinkers on him as well. And he just woke up. He won the race. He looked. He was really impressive. He beat a well-regarded horse. So we weren't even thinking Breeders' Cup. But then he came back to train like a different. Well, the light bulb just goes off in these horses, especially when they're young. He came back to train, and the word Dennis O'Neill is scintillating. And if you watch his works, 
they were full of for me to pony up my you know my piece of the sixty thousand was fifteen thousand. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going for ego. I don't do anything for ego. I really thought we had to have a chance. And after watching his works and talking to Doug and Dennis, we said, Hey, I think we got as good a chance as anybody. Let's write the check and uh, and we wrote the check and then we had a draw in. Somebody had a scratch and it finally happened like an hour before cutoff at the That's last amazing. minute. Right. The horse finally scratched so we could scratch in, which was, you know, also weighing on us for a while. But, yeah, so we wrote the check. We were, I wouldn't say, you know, you're never confident 94 to 1, but we clearly knew <laughs> he belonged. Uh, no, we did. We pulled the figures on the race, except for the favorite, Jackie's Water, who hadn't gone two turns yet and was passing everybody else in the race. Our numbers were right there with everybody else. And we knew how well we were training. We knew we were coming up to a big race. And so we went out there. And the funniest thing about the Breeders' Cup, is I've never cheered or been happy with a second-place finish. Right. I've never cheered as much for a horse in my life after Charlie <laughs> crossed the finish line. It was, it was every bit as exciting as winning a test or my two Breeders' Cup with misdirections or, or the other great ones. It was every bit as exciting, if not more. And you almost reflect answers and go, he finished second. What's wrong with you? You know, either win or go home kind of thing. Yeah, right. But it was really, it was just such an exciting moment at those odds. And not only those odds, once you do that at that caliber race at that time of year, it's like, wow, we now are on the Derby Trail. And that's what the dream is, right? We were on the Derby Trail. That's what that race signified, even though we came second. That's it's a it's a great story and it was so great to be there. And Michelle, just so you know, I'm with all my guys and Bill had sat with us. Bill was, ended up sitting with us the next day, but he knows we were sitting in this tent. And I'm looking at the race, and I go, that's Strauss's horse! (laughs) (laughs) When they passed us at, like, the quarter pole, we were going crazy. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Michelle, I know you have a question. I do. I want to – well, who is – who's Hot Rod Charlie? Is it – did everyone go get a tattoo? I mean, I saw Hot Rod Charlie tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I have his hat from the Breeders' Cup. Hot Rod Charlie was named by my partner, Greg Helm. Uh, Roadrunner Racing, and Patrick O'Neill, Doug and Dennis's nephew, is also in it. Uh, his is Boat Runner Racing, and uh, that was it. But it was, and I don't even know where the name came from. I honestly, I'm sure Greg told me the story, but you know, I'm not one who cares that much about names or silks or whatever. I just want really fast racehorses. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Greg Helm and his team uh, named the horse, and you know what? Any names fly with me, especially when they can run like he can run. Oh, absolutely. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but before Hot Rod Charlie, he just made his 2021 debut. He ran a huge third uh, a couple of weeks ago to uh, Medina Spirit and the Simon Callahan Colt. So he's Roman he's Centurion. yeah, Roman Centurion. He's really he's in this this Derby chase. Bill would drive up Michelle, just so you know. Every time the horse breezed, Bill would drive up on a Saturday morning from Del Mar. To watch a you know 80, uh, 60 to seventy second breeze. Uh, he in hopes morning. it was slower than that. He, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, so I mean, the talk less of, time the better, Billy. Talk about talk about passion. But the cool thing is, it's not just Hot Rod Charlie. Bill has two horses on the Derby Trail, and he also has the great one who's getting ready to make his twenty twenty one debut. I think Bill coming up, right? Yeah. He's going to make... No, no, I think... Didn't he win his maiden in 2021? It might have been. I think he, I think yeah. he, I think broke, he broke his maiden, maiden in 2020, yes. no, 2021, January 23rd. January but he 23rd. ran second in the Los Alcaturity right before. Yes. Right before. Yeah, and he's another horse. After that low Alcaturity, which he'd been doing well for us, but not great, 
Eccles Hunt's fraternity, he won. Looked pretty good doing it. But all of a sudden, you come back to watch his works, and the, and the light bulb went off in the horse. He was a completely different horse. So, you know, so fast forward to January in his maiden race. We put him in the maiden race. Let him get his confidence. Let's see what we really have. We thought he was, you know, a special horse, but let's see. And he goes and wins his maiden by 14-plus lengths over a decent field. Yeah. And I got to tell you, there was more in the tank. I mean, Abel Cedillo will tell you that horse has gears, and there was still another gear or two left. Uh, so he's firmly on the trail. He's coming back, and uh, he's going to run in the race in early March. That's uh, going to be a tough race. I think life is good is going to go in it. I think the Peter Ertzin horse, that, uh, the maiden that went over the weekend, who looked very, very impressive. I Dream think that shake. horse might be coming back. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be a great race. But I got to tell you, I wouldn't trade hands with anybody right now, even life is good. I would take the great one. How many, I got one more question, Michelle, how, and then you can go. How much of your day, how many hours of your day is spent just looking at uh, the Hot Rod Charlie and the great one, kind of, I'll call, call it the, quote, derby situation, watching prep races, reading forums, talking to people, making plans? A ton. I mean, it, absolutely. <laughs> it's a ton of time. And if I'm not But it's it, great time. It's good time. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's, look, I don't have a lot of passions in life. I'm not a passionate guy by nature. This is a passion of mine. And I tell everybody, having horses like a Hot Rod Charlie and a great one, it's like being in love or being in love for the first time, right? It's the first thing you think about when you wake up. It's the last thing you think about before you go to sleep. And it's every waking moment you have, you're thinking about the possibilities, the potential, where you might go. And yes, I'm a, I'm a pattern guy. I, I love the sheets and figures and numbers. I do a lot of times a- analyzing. I watch where the, all the other derby preps are. I watch all the derby prep races. I watch the workouts on XBTV. Uh, yeah, I do spend a lot of time on it. And when I'm not physically on it, like I spend a bunch of time walking every day. I literally walk two, three hours a day. It's how I keep my sanity and try to stay healthy. <laughs> but that walk is consumed. It's consumed with thinking about racehorses. That's consumed. awesome. Uh, How is it different this year, Bill, than it was before being on the Derby Trail with the Pamplemousse, now that you've been in the game for a bit? You know, when you buy your first horse and you're on the Derby Trail, it's like, huh, what did everybody talk about? Easy game. And then you go through 10 years and you don't even get a sniff. You just appreciate it more. You understand how difficult it is. You understand how many people and how many dollars are chasing that dream. And literally when I buy horses, you know, I don't think about it because it's, it's just, it's a bridge too far to think about that. That's not my goal. I'm not buying that kind of horse necessarily per se, you know, where you're spending the five, $600,000, right? The great one costs 180, uh, hot rod Charlie, I believe costs 110. And that's kind of the range we play in, right? You know, in that range. And then, you know, I'll take pieces of those. And so when you spend that much for a horse, we don't have the derby expectation going into this, not, the million dollar colt, the six hundred thousand dollar colt. We, we're just not buying those kind of. We're buying the kind of horses that hopefully can be competitive, give us a great ride, a little bit of return on our investment. Uh, but that's it's not like okay, what horses we're going to buy to get on the Derby mm-hmm. Trail? I think we would set ourselves up for failure if we did that. Bill, who's buying your horses now? Are you still working with Alex Solis, or do you have other people now Dennis. that you've kind of Dennis? Oh, Dennis is your guy now. All the way? Dennis is the guy. Yeah, okay. he basically buys, I would say, just about every one of them, if not every one of them. And we've had, uh, you know, when he first started, you know, we weren't having a lot of success. And, you know, we talked about it. And then all of a sudden this year, I literally have five three-year-olds that Dennis, I have five three-year-olds that Dennis bought. 
and all five of them who just turned three are all stakes place. Nice. Every one of them. Great. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's cycles yeah. for sure. You say patterns and horse racing, I feel like is very cyclical. Yeah, I just hope my cycle stays where it is for a little bit longer. Like, <laughs> we, if it does, can I come does. like can I come rub some of my life? I need to like rub on people that are good luck so I can very, bring some to my hands. Very different type type of trainers. Uh, a guy like Mike Pipey and Doug O'Neill. Um, you're obviously you're buying with Dennis, so a lot of your horses are good to Doug, but you've experienced the Pipey, uh, the how how he works. What makes a trainer someone that you want to work with? Uh, a competency. Do they know what they're doing? I want to be communicated with. You know, there are certain kinds of trainers and certain kind of owners, and they communicate differently with each other. Like I'm an owner, especially now that I'm not working anymore, and horse racing is my passion. I love to talk to the trainers. How are my horses doing? What's going on in the mornings? What are we thinking about the next race? Who's the jockey we're going to put on? I like being involved in that. Uh, and I think both with Doug and with Mike, they're very receptive to that. You know, they take the input and like we literally discuss where to put certain horses. And, you know, it's interesting to watch Doug go, yeah, but I think that's right. Let's, let's do that. But I, you know, I'll build a case. I'll use the sheets or the buyers and, sure. and patterns and, and it's great. And both of them are the same way. Uh, they're honest with me. They build this horse isn't that good. We got to put them here versus, you know, just putting them over their heads or not doing what's in the best interest of me as an owner or, or the horse as a horse. Uh, and I think both those guys do that, and I think that's very important. Far different personalities, but they both get to the same place with me. I don't. I I tell my trainers, please do not call me any time between noon and and four p.m. because I know that that is the bad news time. Do you have that? I I tell them I will check in with you. You don't have to worry about calling me. I'll find out. Do you do you hate that that when you see uh, Doug O'Neill's fo- uh, uh, number pop up at like two p.m. in the afternoon? Yeah, that's really actually very very funny to say that. Every time any trader calls me, I go. How bad? <laughs> what is it now? Yeah, it's because they don't never, want to call us. Trainers never call you with good news, right? That's not what they do, Mm-mm. right? If I get a call from a trainer, it's like my heart just stops. It's like, okay, which horse? How bad? How long will it be out? And how much money is going to cost me to get this horse back to the racetrack? I, se- I send a lot of photos and I send a lot of photos and videos to people because I just take them. You know, we're at the farm or riding babies. I take a lot of of photos. And that's what people say. Well, I know if the phone call's coming from you, it's probably just going to be a fun little photo. It's when Ryan calls that I'm worried. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bill, exactly. You, you've compared uh, the Derby Trail to being in love. You've already given us little pieces of advice. But for those of uh, people that listen to the show that are first-timers or thinking about getting into the game, what's the one real piece of advice that you would, you'd give them? Yeah, I think this is what I've learned the most and it's helped me get through this and how to think about it. You think of it like a hobby, but you run it like a business, meaning you're not going to write the check as a business where if you write a check in the business, you expect a return on your investment, right? That's just a buy low, sell high. With horse racing, it's more of a hobby. You almost have to think when you write the check, you might not get anything back. You might get something back, but it's a hobby. It's fun. It's exciting. It's enjoyable. The relationships you make, you know, whether it's relationships on the track, like with the trainers and the grooms and the jockeys. Or, you know, friends that you meet and guys you hang out with at, you know, Breeders Cup like Billy, you and I did. Right. It's so much more. It's watching your horse course to finish line. How do you put a price on that? Or the potential that you'll have a state course one day. But yet, when things aren't going well, you do have to think of it like a business, right? Discipline with the dollars you're spending uh, once you get into it. And you have to have that discipline. You know, sometimes you, horses have to drop. You've got to put them where they can win. 
and it might not be where your ego wants them or what you think or what you paid for it. But you really have to think of it like a hobby when you write the check. But once that check is written, then you think of it like a business. How do I maximize my return? How do I minimize the downside? And so I think that's the biggest thing to do. It's a hobby. It's a lot of fun. There's nothing more exciting than your horse crossing the finish line or going in the mornings and feeding them carrots and watch them train or, you know, talk to your, you know, trainers. I call it a poor man sports franchise. The yep. closest thing I'm going to get to owning totally a kind is. of a team, it, like, so I can hire the manager effectively, who's the trainer, right? We discuss what to do with the players and where to place them or whatever. Yep. Uh, and it's, it's as close as I'll ever get to that kind of experience. And I just love it. Makes a lot of sense. And that's great advice coming from one of the best guys in the game. And I mean that sincerely. And you know that Uh, Bill Strauss, we really appreciate you taking the time today. Bill, if you win the, uh, the Santa Anita Derby or the Kentucky Derby, can we get some uh, tuna tartare and a crispy half a duck up to Santa Anita for us? You have my word. There. <laughs> you might have to remind me. I'll, I'll be I will. in a fog. I'll be in a fog yeah, yeah, if yeah. that happens. Uh, you remind me this conversation, and I'll remember, and you will have that. We, there we, we go. We wish you the absolute best with Hot Rod Charlie and the great one, both on the Derby Trail. Bill Strauss, amazing guest. We really appreciate it. Yay! Guys, thank you. That was a lot of fun. and uh, Fingers crossed uh, this journey will continue right through May. All right. We'll get you there. Fingers Don't worry, crossed. Billy. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thank you both. Thank you, Bill. That is Bill Strauss here on the so owner's box. I told you, Michelle, the he's the best. The enthusiasm and the can like the candidness. That was fantastic. I've that was one of my favorite interviews ever. Yeah. He's I love him. He's, well, here's what it is. He's passionate, he's mm-hmm. experienced, he's mm-hmm. smart, mm-hmm. and and he just and I said this, you know, he just gets it. And yep. and not only does he own, but he also he's a big time. You know, he gambles. He he loves right. pick fives and pick fours, and he's so much fun and he's so generous. Michelle, I literally we went out to dinner the other night, and I had to get there early just to make sure that my credit card was down to pay <laughs> for it. Because if I didn't, there's absolutely no chance I can pay for dinner. Well, G- Billy, if you ever want to pay for dinner, you can just invite me out. You can pay for dinner anytime. <laughs> you know I will always take you out to dinner. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Owner's Box here on the In The Money Podcast Network. Michelle, how do people follow us and follow In The Money on uh, social media? They definitely want to follow us. We are still at Own A Horse, even though we have a new name of the Owner's Box. Our Twitter stays the same. You can follow me. I'm at the Michelle U. You can follow Billy. He's at BKLRF. And you can follow all of our friends on in the money media at at in the money media i think it's at media. in the money media at in the money media at in the money media say that 10 times really fast I, it's, awesome it's show hard. michelle i'm so I, I love being on this platform we're going to get it up uh soon and and i really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to do this with me bill strauss amazing and everybody go to the uh, in the money podcast.com youtube forward slash youtube channel to get that done and subscribe and subscribe to this the owner's box talk to you next week bye